Welcome Ladder Burners. This is Alan Patterson and today we are going to start a new series on six common communication mistakes that leaders make. With me in this series will be Kelly Norton. Some of you may remember Kelly when I interviewed her recently uh, about her career. So I'm excited to have her uh, as part of this. Today's episode, we're going to be dealing with two major topics. One, the over-reliance on email, which is something I think we can all relate to. And second are some benefits to Zoom meetings when it comes to communication. Maybe some things you haven't thought about and how you can incorporate them. So saddle up. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Ladder Burners Unite. What was your reason for wanting to talk about this? You had suggested this would be a great topic for us to talk about. What, what, what made you say that? Um, I think the world rises and falls with either the success or the total screw up of communication in most ways. I know that seems very dramatic, but realistically speaking, you know, it's all about communication. It's it's the communication we receive. It's the communication we put out. It's our interactions. Um, it may even be the way we look at someone. You know, all of this is communication. And, and I just think that people don't think about it enough and how it can really, you know, make or break any situation that we're involved with, whether it's understanding the political climate, um, you know, getting involved in some kind of movement. All of this revolves around how we receive information and how we communicate. Yeah. Definitely take on heightened importance in the, in the last several months for sure. Well, what, let's also tell our viewers as we discuss this, we thought it would be uh, a good approach would be, let's talk about what we see is very common and uh, impactful mistakes. So it's not just the good rules for communication, but where we've seen the screw ups and give some thought about what that, the impact of those and what that looks like. So why don't, why don't you start with your first one? one okay. Screw ups. I seen. would love to talk about uh, people's over-reliance on email. And interestingly enough, I just watched um, somewhat begrudgingly, The Social Dilemma. So I don't know if you've seen it, but I highly recommend watching it. And they were talking about the societal addiction um, to even things like email. And it, and it really made me take pause for a minute and recognize uh, my own issues I have with email, you know, that I'm over-reliant on, on using it as a vehicle for communication. And um, I think that it can create some real big problems for us. And so I'd be curious from your standpoint, Alan, you know, how do you see email as both helpful and hurtful in, in the business climate? I, I, I think it sucks. I think that the, it, it, I mean, it serves a purpose and I think the purpose, Kelly, is very limited. I think the purpose it serves is uh, is 
um, informational in the sense that here's a meeting coming up, here's a meeting that we had, here are the notes, here's what we agreed to, what do you think? Or are you busy at three o'clock on Thursday? I'd like to talk to you about X, Y, or Z. I think people hide behind email. And I think the, the, the reason I say that is that, especially in delivering news that they're not comfortable with by giving personally. Now, in this world, it's not gonna be face-to-face, -face, but at least could be over Zoom or over the phone. And uh, it, it's, it has, I think, really, it misses the, the impact that communication has and it seems like an afterthought. It just diminishes, I think, the person to whom you're communicating to. And the worst, and then I'll stop here and get back to you, is I think the person that invented reply, reply All should really have their head examined. <laughs> I, saw your, I saw your note about that last week on Ladder Burners, and I could not agree more with that statement. What have you seen? Yeah, well, you know, here's the thing about email i have found that the average writer um does not think about and question themselves before they hit the send button would i be able to also say this to someone in person and i have found that that has been a really helpful tool for me i sometimes i overthink an email like it will take me an entire day to craft an email on an important topic whether that's informational or, um, you know, it could be um, addressing a situation where somebody asked a question and, um, you know, I'm trying to formulate a response. And that's not just email, that's kind of all written form that I, I, I tend to overthink. But I always put myself in this thinking of, okay, if that person were, or that group of people were standing in front of me right now, would I say it the same way? Would I communicate it this way? Um, would I be understood? You know, if I read this to somebody as if I were speaking it, would they understand the intention behind the message? And I think, you know, far too often, people just clink, clink, clink away at their email because they think it's an it's a way to kind of immediately respond to somebody. Right. But don't think about the unintended consequence of not being thoughtful in how it's going to be interpreted. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, if we just took a minute to think about how we would art articulate it if someone were actually physically standing there, I think our email could be a lot better. Yeah, uh, that's a great point, that people are thinking the immediacy is going to show that you're responsive. And the immediacy can also also mean that it's, it's anything but thought out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So true. What about what about how email gets so misinterpreted because of how something is said or the people read into the tone, the words, whether you use, people are using correct grammar, punctuation, how casual or formal it is. What's what have you seen in that respect? Oh, the gamut. I mean, I've been in um, a school environment too when kids are first beginning to, to learn the art of email, which is an art, okay? There is an actual science and an art behind it. And they use it in the same form they would texting. You know, Y-O-U now becomes you. There's like zero punctuation or capitalization. 
And, and I believe that we are starting to see email as an informal means of quickly responding, you know, a thought. And the reality is, I think email was intended to be a more formal communication tool. So back to your point about the reply all, like replying to everybody to just say great thanks is not an appropriate use of reply all. Like we don't need to communicate in that manner for people to, to understand that we heard or got their message. So um, I think it's it we need to give it give it some space to live in a more formal way and utilize things like instant chat or text message to do more of the informal. And I think as a, as a result of that, people are grossly misunderstood because they take a very informal approach to the response and don't think about all those other factors in terms of how someone's going to hear that message. What would, what would you say is the best use of email? Um, you know, I, I, I guess now my opinion is maybe a little bit different because we, me in particular, are living in a very virtual world. So we utilize Microsoft Teams. I know people use a variety of different platforms to communicate quickly and effectively right now. And so there's, there's a, a beauty in using those tools to connect quickly on something. So I need a quick answer. I wanna let you, I wanna inform you about something that's going on. Um, I maybe need to remind you that something is coming. Like to me, that is how those tools can be used and should be, we should leave email out of the fold. Email to me is about um, clearly explaining a topic, a position, um, you know, introducing a concept that's going to be discussed at an in-person meeting. Yeah. Like it, it is, it should be a form of a little bit meatier um, communication. The immediate, like, you know, one sentence, kind of banter back and forth to me is not how email should be used that's that's a great thought i hadn't thought of it that way that it's it it's uh uh, uh when you say meteor it's the 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 preparation for the background for a greater understanding um i had said too about follow-up i think it's a decent follow-up tool because it then it lets people know you followed up and also like you would with listening it's, you know did, did you get it right uh and invite yeah. questions that way what, let me ask you a question alan yeah how long is too long for an email like there is certainly some emails that i get where i'm like oh my gosh I, how am i even going to get through this today <laughs> There's a lot of content here. Oh, you mean the, a, a single email? Yeah. I'm, I'm not the pro on this. I know a lot's been written about this, about the etiquette of it. Um, I think pithy is important. That's not my strength. Um, I, it takes me a while to wind up and uh, with with ramble to get to the point. Um, I, I personally think if you go beyond three or four paragraphs, that you've gone too far and i would even say and one thing i've learned probably more by writing blogs but it's also true for email is that people aren't using enough white space in the email itself it's too dense and it's too hard to read so i think it's how how can you use it to make your point and then create a next step if i'm communicating with you it would be 
I'm saying three paragraphs max, and then it's like, can we talk about this next week? Mm -hmm. What do yeah. you do? You have a rule that you follow on that? Um, I I would go back to what I mentioned a little bit earlier, which is how would I explain this if I were delivering it in person? Yeah. The average reader consumes information. Um, very similarly, I think in both spoken and written form. So if I can if I can communicate it in less words in an email effectively where my point is being made, I will always go for the lesser route. Um, if I think the audience needs the backstory, you know, why are we making this decision? Um, who has been involved so far? I'll give that in the body of the email, but for the most part, I think if an email gets too long, you lose you lose people. Yeah. And I've I've experienced that as of late, and I think it's because we're virtual and we don't have those communication touch points that are a little bit more you know impersonal and maybe spontaneous, if you will. That it it feels like people are writing these dissertations, and I and I don't think that's necessary to communicate your point. I I agree. So, what recommendation would you have, Kelly, for folks? To, to, to use email effectively? Um, I think before you hit the send button, you should really think about um, who your audience is and how will they interpret the message, you know, and, and give it some thought. Give, it, give some thought to how they'll react or respond. Is this what I am intending to say? And would I feel comfortable if that person were standing right here and I said exactly what I'm writing to their face? I think that's a really important piece. And then I think the second question would be, does it warrant an email? Or could I accomplish this more quickly and with perhaps um, less misinterpretation or less clogging of the email, if you will, by simply sending a chat, a text, or picking up the phone for 30 seconds? So I think we've got to just be a little bit more thoughtful about using the tool. Okay. Anything else? No, I think those are all great points. I, I, I mean, I, I, I love to go to the, the bigger issues, but, and I think this is what's so important about communication is that it's, it's the way in which we show, it's the way in which we engage, and it's the way in which we get at intent, right, and, and understanding, and, and email is a form of that. So when it's when it's abused, as it I think it so often is, then you lose what the 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 social impact of being able to engage someone. I'm not saying every conversation's engaging; it has to be engaging. But I mean that's what communication is all about: is to is to show that level of understanding, and engagement. And I think it's it's just made made it easy for people to hide behind that. Yep, agreed. Well, so what do you have? What topic do you want to chat through? Well, I, I think the one that is most relevant that I see today is this challenge of communication in a, in a remote environment. You alluded to it, you know, with, with so many uh, online uh, Zoom meetings, uh, uh, telephone conversations, uh, group conversations. I think um, that it's made it a lot harder uh, for people to get to read other people. And of course, with all the studies that have been done about how important body language is, um, it, I don't know that, that 
people have honed the skills to be able to understand uh, people's reactions as you're talking, especially on a group call, you know, there's the convenience of doing that. But then, and it's better than I think not being able to see people. But there are many people that are, that are, there, there are people that are good at reading body language and there are people that suck at that. And mm -hmm. I, think this, I think this has made it that much harder um, to be able to understand what what's behind what someone is saying when they're saying it. You can't see my hands, but you know my hands are going right now because I'm leaning forward in my chair. And the other thing that it's put an emphasis on, I think, and you had said this to me a couple of weeks ago, is uh, voice and tone of voice, which has always been important. But it's taken on that uh, that much more important, and I, I think it's hard for people. I think this whole virtual communication has been hard. I know you see this all the time because there are days that I want to get in touch with you, and you know it's back to back, back to back virtual meetings all day. Yeah, yeah. You know it's interesting because um, to a certain degree, I understand where you're coming from, and some days I feel like it's totally the opposite of that. So I'll give you an example. So if you're sitting around a, a boardroom table, let's just say, and there are 12 people there, and wherever you're situated, you can immediately see the people kind of across from you, but maybe not sitting alongside of you or on either end of the table. And so as conversations are happening, and I'm, I'm really, I, I really study how people respond non-verbally because I think it says a lot about what's going on in their head that they usually don't want to say out loud. And I have found that I'm a, I'm a room surveyor, if you will. So I like to look around as people are conversing and see how people are responding. But most people don't do that. They, they, their peripheral vision takes them to whomever they can see in kind of their circle. Yeah. With, with these virtual meetings, you see all 12 people right in front of you on the screen. And I think to a certain degree, your nonverbals become um, almost on display for everybody to see in real time. It's a lot harder to hide your nonverbal cues when you've got a screen filled with people's faces. You know, you miss some of the like below the chest you know, hand talking, which I do a lot of, or, um, you know, getting, getting uh, squirmy in your seat or whatever else might be going on. But the facial expressions, like you can't avoid them. They are right there. And I have noticed that there's a hypersensitivity I have to watching all 12 of those happen in real time. It says a lot about what's going on in the room. So for you, it's, it, you get a better sense totally by, by being able to see people that way what about for folks um this is think being one of those people that may not understand uh how they come off of course that's a that's that's a problem in general for some people that may lack that that understanding of the impression other people have by the nature of their communication, which in part is is body language and tone of voice and a whole host of other things. But what do you think, how do you think those people fare knowing that they're 
to your point in on greater display it takes a it takes a much higher level of self-awareness i think um I've noticed that the longer we're in this virtual environment meeting in this way, I think people, because our, our greatest, our greatest means of understanding how we present ourselves either comes by way of seeing it or someone playing it back to you, you know? And so in this environment, I think it's easier to see ourselves because we're constantly seeing our own faces on screen. So to a certain degree, I think it's helped us yeah. to see like, oh, that's how I look when I, you know, get defensive about something and I cross my arms or, you know, for me, if I'm contemplating or there's a lot of discussion or debate, I get really quiet because I'm, I'm processing and I'm listening and I realize that some people may interpret that as, as being closed off to conversation. Yeah. And so you see that, like yeah. looking in a mirror eight hours a day and watching how your nonverbals show up for people. So to a certain degree, I think that this has helped us to see ourselves through a bit of a different lens. Interesting. Because you read people and read situations, this has given you a, almost a, a, a better form, it sounds like. Yeah, and, and to a certain degree, I think a part of it, Alan, is just being honest with people. When things don't feel right or sound right, um, why why skirt around the issue? You know, um, I think that now this comes with creating high-functioning and, and super trustworthy teams in order to create an environment like this, but you can tell when there's tension in the room, disagreement, yeah. Uh, you know, lack of clarity, like you can, number one, you can feel it, but you can also see it. You can see it in people's body language. And so that becomes and presents an opportunity for people to lean into the conversation differently. And I think we've got to get a little bit better at calling out those nonverbal cues and saying like, hey, it seems like you're not, you know, understanding something or, or maybe I didn't explain that correctly. Yeah. But do you have a question for me? And, and getting comfortable with having conversations like that. And I, and I think that can really improve upon the situation. You know, that's a great recommendation when we think about making recommendations and how to make this better. And, and the way you're describing this is that while it's a challenge at one level, it could actually be a benefit. And another benefit I've heard of, of having remote meetings is that things move, uh, I've had clients say that things are moving quicker because of the deadlines that, the, that are being put on these situations so that people are, are doing their business um, more efficiently. That's some of the feedback I've gotten for clients. Mm -hmm. So one, one takeaway from this, one recommendation is that uh, like you're saying be, be more tuned in to not only the body language of others, but, but your own in the impression and the ability to be able to communicate directly to someone you have questions you seem concerned you know that about what I've just said what's up yeah we live in a world right now where we uh, you know I'm trying to see this environment we are kind of stuck with as a gift and so what gift does it present to you and I really think that this virtual world creates an, a, a mirror for us to see how we show up and you know understanding that how we show up 
everybody's everybody's going through that too, you know? And so trying to draw clarity, clarity for self, as well as, you know, reading those nonverbal cues and, and asking someone if you can explain it differently, don't make it about them. You know, if you say like, it looks like you're confused. Right. You know, and then your nonverbal suggests that they shouldn't be confused. Uh, that's probably not a good thing. But if you say, it seems like there's there are some questions or confusion, how can I help explain this differently? You know, put it back on yourself. And I think that there's there's grace in that process where then people aren't terrified that you completely read what was on their face and you're calling them out on the carpet for it. It's not about that. Wonderful, wonderful way to put it. That's a really very strong communication lesson. Who knew that all of this could come out of a Zoom-like environment? Right. Yeah. Well, let's 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 get that. That's uh, you. You've made that into something that I I think is very thoughtful uh, and something that people should focus in on here uh, in this world. Uh, what else have you seen? Oh, thank you. Well, that's going to do it for today. I hope you'll come back and join us for our next episode where we'll be talking about what happens when there's no communication at all. And also the impact of saying things like, well, you don't understand how people react to that. See you then.